Weddings ish, 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 weddings ish. With Jove. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to Weddings Ish with Jove. This episode, our wedding planning tip, I talk all about my favorite three P's product, price, and personality. And I sit down with the super creative founder of Hushed Commotion, Thea Block Neal. Enjoy. Weddings Ish. As a wedding planner and designer, a big part of my job is to play a matchmaker. I am the yenta between couples and their vendors, and I take really great pride in my relationships with those whom I collaborate with to make wedding visions come to life. But for those who don't have a full-service planner and designer on their team, and perhaps they're doing all the work themselves, and they just have a day off coordinator so they're not working on their wedding day, I wanted to share my insider tips called Jove's 3 P's, And these three P's are the most important things that I look for when playing matchmaker between vendor and client. And the three P's are product, price, and personality. So these are the three things I'm always thinking about at top of mind when trying to match my client's style, personality, and budget to that of the vendor that's best fit for them. So let's just talk quickly about those three Ps so perhaps you can find some helpfulness there when comparing and shopping and looking around for your own wedding vendors. So you want to look again at product, price, and personality. The first P that's most important is price. Are they in your budget or are they out of your budget? Right away, you need to find out that information before you fall in love with someone that you may or may not be able to afford. Because while you can always ask someone if there's any flexibility in their pricing, you have to be prepared for them to say, no, my prices are firm and fair, and there is no flexibility. So if you can't afford them, why waste your time, right? It's like going on a date you know isn't going to go well. So why waste your time and waste their time when at the end of the day, it's just not going to work out? So price is easy. Typically, most vendors send pricing right up front. So it's there, you know it, you think about it, you look at your budget, and you make a decision one way or the other. Second is product. Weddings are all about product, whether it's paper, photography, floral, music, entertainment. It's all product. It's all things that are going to come together to create the look and the feel and the vibe and the emotion of your big day. So if they have a product, you need to see it. You need to experience it. If it's a photographer, you need to stalk them on Instagram. You need to go to their website, look through all of the gallery, not just the ones with the pretty bright light outside, but the dark dancing shots inside. How do they work with flash? All of the things that you can learn about this vendor online via social media or in a personal meeting um, or over a phone call, you need to fully understand. Study their product and make sure their product resonates with you. If you're sort of on the fence, like, I'm not sure I love this product, then I would say move on. Trust your gut, know yourself, and don't sort of sit on the fence with someone that maybe you heard is good or your friend used. If it doesn't strike you in the heart or make you feel happy or giddy or excited, then it's not for you. And just like all those bad Tinder dates before the one, you just politely say thank you for your time 
and you move right along. The last one is personality. And I think a lot of couples forget about personality. They just think they're the right price, they have the right vibe, let's do this thing. But personality is huge because you are spending a lot of time with this vendor, potentially. Um, If it's a florist, maybe not so much, right? You're going to have an initial meeting, maybe a sample meeting, and you don't really see them on the wedding day. But your photo, your video, your band, your planner, your caterer, you are spending a large amount of time in person, online, or on the phone with this vendor. So you want to make sure they get you and that you get each other. And when you make a joke, they think it's funny. And when you're sarcastic, they know you're not being rude. Um, If that's who you are, if you're a dry sense of humor, you just want to make sure your personalities click and that you have sort of the right relationship to last six months, eight months, 12 months, six. 16 months, two years. Um, So that is sort of the most important thing, I think, really are my three Ps. Again, price, product, and personality. And I sometimes throw a fourth P in there, which is passion. Are they passionate? Are they eager? Are they excited? Are they still loving what they're doing? Or are they bored and burnt out and just cashing a check? Um, I think we can all relate to being in one camp or the other at some point in our life. When I worked at Corporate America as an event planner, I was on the latter end of that. And I was burned out and I was just cashing a check and I was just showing up. And I'm not sure that that's what any person getting married wants to hire. So look for someone with a passion. So anyways, those are my four Ps. Originally, they were three, but I thought I'd throw in the last one. Really, there are no secrets. I'm an open book. Price, personality, passion, product. Look into all of that, investigate, do your homework, and if you feel all the good feelings and all four Ps, move forward with confidence and book your dream team for your big day. I am very excited to be sitting across from the extremely talented, super sweet, very fashionable, friendly, kind. I could go on and on since you're a dear friend. (laughs) Thea Block-Neal, founder and creative director of Hushed Commotion. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful. I think winter's finally here. I think it is. I've got my slippers on. I know. Mm -hmm. They're so cute. I wish everyone could see. They're like (laughs) these adorable bunny slippers. But they're made of felt, so they're kind of like, I don't know, they feel less like I'm a kid and more like I'm a cool adult in slippers. You're an adult lady in yes. slippers. <laughs> I have nothing wrong with slippers. I We're a shoe-free household also, mm-hmm. but I don't have any slippers. I just have socks with holes in them, which is probably not a good thing. I'm going to file that away. That's yeah. a good note to have. <laughs> I wasn't asking for a holiday gift. I know you weren't, but it was good. It was a good note to have. <laughs> so, Hushed Commotion. What is Hushed Commotion? Well, um, when I was in college, I went to design school for Mm -hmm. fashion design. I did a student fashion design show. um, And while I was there for the show, I had to come up with a name for the collection. And the collection was all white silks that I hand dip dyed in all these colors. Oh, beautiful. So parts of it were very simple and clean. And then all the color came in and added this big pop. Mm -hmm. Um, And each of the color... Each of the dresses had a different color theme to them. Okay. So when I was trying to think of what did that mean when you were looking at it, 
I came up with these two words and put them together and was like, okay, we've got these hushed fabrics with this commotion of color and yeah. that's how it was born. Because so they're have, opposites, hush yeah. and commotion. Yeah, um, and that's always kind of been my sensibility is that I like things with a lot of detail, but I don't like things that are flashy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had that for the collection and then I just kind of filed it away and really liked it. So then later down the line when I was starting what's now Hush Commotion. Uh, I was trying to come up with a name. I think it was my mom, actually, who was like, I really love that name that you had from your collection in college. You should use that. And I was like, I don't know, mom. She was like, it's so interesting and unique. And it doesn't sound like a typical bridal collection. And not at all. Yeah, Yeah, it's not too Uh, pretty or precious. Yeah, so. And there was so many options in terms of Twitter and website. There were like no domain problems. No one else was using the name. Yeah. Oh, that's so Mm -hmm. fun. So you're originally not from New York City. No. Where are you from originally? From North Carolina. Okay. Mm -hmm. And when did you make your way here and how? I came to New York, to Brooklyn specifically, in 2003 when I started college at Pratt Institute. Okay. And then I have lived in the same one mile radius my entire time that I've been in Brooklyn wow. since then. So you're like an official New Yorker. Yes. It's like and after a decade, right? Yes. Well, yeah, I guess it's after a decade, and now I think it's like 14, 15 years mm-hmm. going on here. It's been fun watching the neighborhood change, and I feel a lot of kinship towards it. Sure. I mean, mm-hmm. when you've been somewhere so long, yeah. it becomes a part of your everyday life. Yeah. So you went to fashion school. Mm-hmm. Did you go in with any particular thoughts of what the outcome might be? I don't think so. I just was really interested in fashion. I have always had a preference for things that are a little fancier. So, Oh, have you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so dresses and dressing up a bit more than maybe usual. My best friend's mom. I really don't think that I dressed that fancy in high school. It really was not. But I would wear skirts more than I would wear pants. And her mom would always, I would come over and she'd be like, oh, you're wearing skirts. You're so dressed up. I know. And I was like, yeah, this is not a big deal. And she was like, I always knew you were going to go into something like this because of all those skirts you were wearing when you were younger. Were you in a small town in North Carolina? <laughs> not really that okay. small. I don't know. Okay. Um, so I always knew that I would do something with evening because I just I love dresses and gowns and stuff and then detail work. It's always that way. When you look back on things, you see all the little signs that came together for sure. it. Which you don't see in the moment at all. You don't. Like for my senior collection, I did do evening wear and then you had to do one wedding piece because the way that the program was set up, you would do all your evening wear pieces and then you had to do one specialty piece. And since you had you were already doing evening wear, then your specialty piece was a bridal piece, Got which it. by the way was a jumpsuit. And I did that back in 2007. Oh, wow. Thank you very much. Okay, the original jumpsuit. Uh-huh, with a big beaded waistband on I it. don't think I knew that you knew how to like make dress forms and fully sew. Mm-hmm, I know you're creative. And pattern and make and all that fun stuff. Fashionable, but that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Have you made a dress since fashion school? Uh, I think in early on, but not fully since then. I still have my sewing machine and I use it for little projects, but nothing okay. too crazy. I feel yeah. like you should make a dress. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to put you up to a challenge. Okay. <laughs> only that you're only for you, Jeff. <laughs> okay. Fine, I'll wear it. Um, <laughs> so you graduated from fashion school and what was your next step? What happened? Um, so I had done a number of internships while I was in school and really loved places I was working at, but didn't really feel the connection that I wanted to. And it was just, 
you know, sometimes things work with your internships and sometimes they don't. And I love the people there and actually I'm still good friends with a lot of the people I know from Mm -hmm. those internships. But it wasn't right in terms of going into a job next. So I was in New York for the summer, just kind of tooling around, and I ended up starting with this company that was based out of New York. Um, And just like really easy, simple, like retail stuff. And I had done that throughout high school and just was like, all right, I need to get my head straight and figure out what I'm doing next. So let me do this retail job to see, like, to just like have some income and Mm -hmm. figure out which direction I want to go in. Sure. Um, I mean, you're like a young 20-something, just figuring it out. Yeah. Um, And it was the summertime after having worked insanely hard senior year of college. I was like, I need to like take a break and get my head straight and also just like have fun with my friends and all that stuff. So we did that. Uh, So I did that for the summer and that quickly transitioned into something more because the company was based here. Okay. Um, And that basically became my life for the next six years. Oh, wow. Um, so the company that I started with right out of college was one that I stayed with until you I sort eventually... sort of grew up there. Mm-hmm, until I eventually left to do Hush Commotion, which I started while I was still at the other company. Okay. Um, they, at one point while I was there, pivoted into Bridal, which was really fortunate and oh, so wonderful. They didn't start, you didn't start in Bridal? Mm-mm, no, it okay. was just women's wear. Um, and then they pivoted into Bridal, and I pivoted with them and really enjoyed it and then started doing the accessories on the side, having seen stuff in the industry. When I started Hush Commotion, it was, I guess it was like 2010, 2010, um, or maybe it was 2009. I guess I lose track sometimes. Nine or ten. Nine or ten. Seven or eight years. Yes. Um, There, people were not using gold in accessories. That happens now. What do you now. mean? Like it was just silver? It was basically all silver and oh. crystal. There was, like, I know it's weird to think about now because yeah. you can't think of bridal accessories without stuff that's gold. gold or copper. But there were not good gold accessories out there in 2009. It huh. just was not a thing. Because in 2009 and 10 was also when all the changes in the wedding industry happened with all of the bridal blogs and people finding this whole other side to weddings sure. where you could be more creative and have your own vision. You could express and, yourself. Yeah, and it didn't have to be a plaza wedding or a princess wedding. Um, there was so much more variety that people were embracing and then connecting one, with one another other, over the internet and kind of You could finding, finally see what other people were doing. Yeah, and feeling like you weren't alone or crazy for wanting to do something different and more rustic or with gold or with a vintage vibe yeah. or just like less stuffy. Yeah. Um, so... I was definitely thinking, I wasn't engaged or really dating anybody that seriously, but I was like, okay, if I, I have only worn gold accessories really since I was very young. And when eventually I do get married, I want to have gold accessories and there's nothing out there. And I cannot be the only bride sitting here or bride to be one day who wants something something that's gold and something that's maybe not as flashy. So are you admitting that you were single and already single handedly? No. <laughs> you were that girl dreaming about her wedding. I when was she not. Didn't have a boyfriend. I was not actually. I was in the industry thinking about it. I was. Uh-huh. But actually, I, so I guess in that respect, I was kind of thinking about it beforehand. But I actually, coming from the South, so many more of my friends talked about and thought about their wedding day. And I wasn't one of those people age. who had sure. things planned out. I was just kind of like, okay, one day it'll happen and we'll figure it out when we yeah. do. Because I, I guess I also think about that. Your vision for things, yes, there are things that you 
you have in yourself that stay consistent over the years, but things change a lot. So if sure. you plan something at one point when you're not ready, then down the line, if you're holding on to those specifics- And you've evolved then, yeah, away from it. Then it doesn't feel right anymore. Yeah. So there's kind of, not no point, but it just doesn't seem necessary to do that. Yeah. So Well, yeah. also you need the other person. <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. It's very important. Um, do you remember the first piece you ever made and what was it? Um, was it a belt, earrings? Bracelet, headpiece. I think that it was a belt. Um, again, hindsight is so hilarious. Is that I now belts are such a big part of the collection and something that's probably belt making belts are one of my favorite things in the collection. If okay. you had to say like which category of items are my favorite to make, I think belts and maybe earrings are my two favorite things to make for Hush Commotion. Um, when I was younger, I didn't wear a lot of belts, but I hoarded a lot of belts. Oh, you were a hoarder. Yes, in terms of belts, which okay. are very easy to hoard because they're so tiny. Yeah, they and just fit in the closet nicely. Yeah, and there's so many different but occasions. But you didn't wear and them? And they're not expensive. Yeah, I was... Um, like you thought you'd wear them or you just like to collect them? Maybe I thought I would wear them. I also wasn't... Uh, like I was fun and fashion-y, but I've, I definitely found my true fashion sense when I came to New York, as most people would. Sure. Um, I was a hot mess before I moved here. Yeah. Bowl cut, bad clothes. It was bad. It <laughs> I was cannot bad. imagine that. <laughs> You'll I never can't. see a photo. <laughs> mm, now I've got to dig deep. Uh-huh. Real deep. Real deep. So you were hoarding belts. <laughs> yeah, but I wasn't very fashionable. So I liked them, but I wouldn't wear them. And I also, you know, um, I guess you could say I was like a late bloomer. So okay. trying to wear belts wasn't really going to work for me back in the got day. It. Um, so, but then my aunt also had hoarded all these belts. So one day she gifted me her whole belt collection, which was really exciting because there were all these cool vintage leather and weirdly beaded and elastic belts. And um, I still have many of them today. I've got uh-huh. a lot of belts. Now you wear them. Yes, I do. I do indeed. Um, Okay, what what tangent did we get off on? Your first about piece belts. you ever oh, made. Oh, first piece. Okay, so in that respect, thinking about that belts have always been something important to me and that I've always thought about, and it makes sense now that that's something that I love to do um, and that has become a niche and a cornerstone of Hush Commotion. So yeah, I think the first one I did was a belt because the company I was with, we needed belts that were under $1,000 because we were looking for lots of belts to go with the dresses at the company I was working at and they were all like 800 to $1,000 and the mm-hmm. price point of the wedding dresses that she was designing were not in that, they were, her dresses were like 1000 and under. So you couldn't really, buy a belt that cost more than the dress. Yeah, that yeah. wasn't going to happen. So I, start, I was helping design belts that would be in a better price range for okay. us and more in the aesthetic. And so that's how it all started. So when you begin designing a collection or a belt, for instance, do you sort of look at the trends that are happening? Are you seeing like dresses are getting more simple, so I'm going to make a more crazy belt? Or like... What is that process for you in terms of like how you begin to design a piece? Sure. Um, I guess so. I guess I, I, I look at blogs and I pay attention to what's happening in the industry, but. What I also like about weddings is that it's not so controlled by trends mm-hmm. and season to seasons. And that you can have, I have a belt in the collection that sells really well that I designed four years ago and people still love it and buy it. And it's nice that I don't have to have a belt that I designed that I love and then say goodbye to it like six months later. Sure. I can keep it you around can keep for people. It. Um, so 
I guess since I can keep things around, especially these days, I look at what we have already in the collection and think about, okay, what have people been responding to and what do we need more of that we don't have right now? Mm -hmm. So thinking about wider belts and thinner belts. Thin belts do really well for us. So every season I always try to have at least like four or five new thin motif belts. And then I love a good statement belt. And so I try and design a couple of those per season. They've also become a cornerstone of the Hush Commotion belt as that like fun statement, funky beading that's mm-hmm. not necessarily so sparkly, but has like a art deco uh, vibe to it. Mm-hmm. So I always do more of those just because they're consistent for us in terms of that people love them and I love designing them. Um, and then I do sometimes, I, I mean, an, the accessories go with the dresses. So I look at some of my favorite designers and think about what kind of beads or motifs or colors they're looking at and using to give me a sense of what I want to use next. Mm-hmm. And then, most importantly, because we have a studio in New York and I encourage brides to come and meet with me, uh, a lot of it is based off of what I'm seeing and hearing from the brides I'm working with throughout sure. the year and what they're wanting. What um, they're buying. Yeah, We do a lot of custom work through the studio and that really helps inform me in terms of what the brides want and are needing or aren't seeing out there or what they like from our collection and which beads we should use more of because people always consistently ask for that. So I love that. Mm -hmm. So it's super organic based on where you want it to go, what you're seeing and feedback. Yes. I like that. And how many collections have you made total? Uh, I guess um, the first official collection photo shoot, I believe, was in 2011. Okay. So, <laughs> pause while we do some math. <laughs> and we just did collection for 2018. So, I guess that's eight collections. That's amazing. Yeah, it's weird to think about. Eight I haven't really thought about it that way. <laughs> of course not, because you're like just making <laughs> just all the time. Moving forward. But you've put together eight collections of bridal mm-hmm. accessories. Mm-hmm. That's magical. Yeah. Um, and in all of those eight collections, has it sort of started with belts and then you moved to headpieces and now earrings? And I even see you do some shoes, or has it always been a diverse collection? It's always been a collection of pieces because headpieces are such a staple for bridal industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love a good headpiece, yeah. absolutely. So I think when I was doing stuff for Hush Commotion, I did more headpieces than belts at the beginning because I thought that that's what I needed to do. And I would look in the industry and so many of the other accessory designers, so much of their website and their collection wore headpieces. Okay. Um, But then I started doing belts and we beat everything here in New York and Brooklyn. We don't send it overseas to have other people do any of the beading motif or sewing or whatnot. Um, And so just kind of by, I guess, accident or my whole evolution, when I started doing the belts, they were just really different from Mm -hmm. everything else out there. And so when we put them out, people responded really well to them. It was like we hit a nerve with these belts that were totally different from everything else that's on the market. Because if companies are going to the same places overseas to find their beaded motifs, it's all going to look similar. And we weren't doing any of that because I was just sourcing all the stuff that I liked and wanted and then making it into these belts. Um, And so over the years, belts have become a bigger part of the collection than they were initially because I've realized that People love and want that from us, um, our stores especially, because 
they want belts that are unique and interesting. Um, and as, as I said, it's really fun for me. So that's been a shift. And then we we do do veils. Um, and then earrings happened, I guess, maybe like three or four three or so years ago, because mm-hmm. I had a ton of clients who would buy stuff from me and then come back a month or two later and say, hey, I'm looking for accessories and earrings to match with my headpiece or my belt, and I'm just not finding anything. We know you do custom. Would you be interested in making some earrings for me to wear? And I was like, oh, oh sure, amazing. fine. I'd that's love great. to, yeah. And so then I would make them. I was like, well, let me just take a picture of this earring since I made it yeah. before I send it out to the bride. And then just started listing it on the website and that just so, and then it just grew from there okay. and it's just become like tremendous yeah. now earrings are a, a big part of what we do and i love it that's amazing yeah. i love how you sort of grew naturally based on the feedback instead of just saying like this is what i want to make i hope you buy it mm-hmm. um, but i love also that everything is made here in brooklyn like you physically are a part of the process of every piece that leaves your door Thank and you. I think that's rare to say mm-hmm. and kind of really badass that like you're like made in America here in Brooklyn, um, not overseas. Not that there's anything wrong with overseas, mm-hmm. but I think there's something really great about that. Thank you. Um, and you got married a couple years ago. I did. I was fortunate enough to make the cut on the Yay. guest list. It was so beautiful. Thank you. You were a stunning bride. Um, what did you make for yourself? And was that crazy to decide that you wanted to make something for yourself. Um, yeah, it was crazy. It was exciting. Um, my husband always says that, I mean, there are, we love each other a lot for many reasons. Yeah. But he was, instead of it being hard for him, he always talks about how easy it was for him to marry someone who was already in the industry. Okay. Because when I started, I guess, so that was in, so that was three years ago. So that was 2004. 14, 15, like three years ago. Anyway, so I had been in the industry for a while. I'd looked at blogs all the time because I'm always looking it's at what things. what you do, yeah. And inspiring and working on collections. And so I had a vision that I kind of almost inadvertently narrowed down to what I wanted and what I liked. Um, and my husband and I have very similar tastes, but I would still, I would pare things down to like three or four choices and then come to him and say, okay, these are my thoughts and ideas. Like, oh, let's I didn't make a know choice. he had some choice in it. Yeah, we I did a lot that. of stuff together, but I wasn't coming to him saying like, okay, I've got these 12 different ideas. I don't know, like what direction? And he wasn't getting overwhelmed. I was very concise about, okay, here are our choices. Let's make a decision and let's move on. Yeah. And I didn't really second guess any of my decisions because I didn't feel like I had not seen anything out there because sure. I'd been looking at stuff for so long that I yeah. felt like I had a good handle on it. Um, for accessories, I did design my accessory before I bought my dress because oh. it's such a big import- big piece for me. Yeah. That was the first thing I immediately started working on. It was, was like, bold, it, it was, was red, <laughs> it was beautiful. Thank you. So red's always been an important or just like a color that I really especially love. Uh-huh. I wear red lipstick a lot of the time. Um, and my husband is Indian. So we had a two-part wedding and red is very important in the Indian culture. Okay. Uh, and I knew that I would be wearing red as part of my ceremonial outfit on Friday night. So I wanted to... To uh, incorporate that for Saturday in the headpiece that I wore for the like the Jewish like Saturday traditional wedding, mm-hmm. so it on two levels um, spoke to kind of the cultural, but also something that I just love it personally. And it tied them together, um, which was so pretty. And I always encourage people to have fun with color. That. 
Don't be scared of it. And it really was amazing because from the front, it was like you had no idea. Mm-hmm. It was only when you turned around or walked away. Those big there was silk this, like, flowers. Big, beautiful red flowers in your yeah. hair. Yeah. So that That's was amazing. Mm-hmm. And what is your price point? If people are interested in getting something from you custom or from the website, what is the range that... Um, so I guess earrings are probably going to be the lowest price point you find. Then they start around $75 and can go up to... This collection, we have some more statement earrings, so they go up to maybe like 185 Oh, wow, okay. Um, and then our headpieces and belts can start as low as like 165 up to 385 mm-hmm. And then when you're in the veils, those are going to be more expensive, so from like 300 to $600. Uh, and then for... Did I already say headpieces? I don't think mm-hmm. I said headpieces. And belts. Headpieces and together, belts, yeah, yeah, together. So those are there. Um, and then for custom work, it depends. I would say the lowest for anything custom is probably going to be around 200 Okay. But usually it is between three to five. Um, if you're doing a custom veil, it can get closer to 1000 Okay. Um, and then, as you mentioned earlier, we do have a service where we will custom bedazzle your shoes. shoes. I know, it was so fun. Which has been so fun for me. I just got an email from How someone. How did that happen? Um, I did it for my wedding. Got it. So I had some shoes that uh, my dear friend Jen Huang had given me uh-huh. um, that were these beautiful, so they were the same style shoe that she wore to her wedding. Okay. And I bedazzled, I, so I guess actually it all started with Jen Huang. So she, I bedazzled the shoe for her wedding okay. because she had these shoes that were clean, um, like a peep toe Dorsey heel that was like a blush color, and she really wanted beading on them and couldn't find anything out there she liked. And we were friends, and she was like, "Can you bedazzle my can shoes you bead for me? My shoes. <laughs> I've got this vision, and I can communicate to you, and you can make it." And I was like, "Of course, yes, yeah. absolutely." So that for her, and in return, she gave me a pair of the same kind of shoe for huh. myself. And so then when it came to my wedding, I was like, oh my God, I have these shoes and I want to bedazzle them. Oh so my gosh, that's amazing. I did a whole version of that shoe that matched my headpiece and then put all those shoes onto the website. And it felt like, it just felt like a natural extension of us because I love doing custom work and I do think that there are some pretty dismal shoe options out yeah, there. it's hard. Um, especially if you want beading detail, it's either going to be insanely sparkly and expensive or it's going to be really cheap materials that are just not exciting. Yeah, not cute. And just don't look um, I just I guess like special enough for your big day. Sure. Um, so we put it on the website as an option and we've just been having fun with it. We did we bedazzled some white Birkenstocks. That was really I fun. I saw that on your Instagram. With color with colorful beads all over it. She had this uh, really cool invite that had an ombre of all these different colors and then her bridesmaids wore these floral dresses with all these different colors and she was just into it. So we used that color theme on the shoes and I just got an email from a bride the other day who now wants me to bedazzle some sneakers and I'm really really oh, excited how fun. about that. So Yes, so send me they, your shoes. They literally send you the shoes <laughs> yep. and you talk design. And yeah. then from there, it's, I mean, a surprise, right? Because you don't get a mm-hmm. visual mock up of what it's going to. Yeah, I try and give them some, I mean, some motifs and ideas. And sometimes I'll do some sketches and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they do have to put their trust in me. Because once you start putting stuff on the shoe, it's not really coming <laughs> off. Or if it does, it's 
not going to look nice afterwards. Yeah, because it's strong adhesive. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I haven't had any problems yet, so yeah, n- no, knock they, on wood. Yes. They love what you do, <laughs> which is the best part. I mean, my question is, how do you pick materials? Because I imagine if you go to a bead store, a fabric store, there are thousands of, like literally thousands of options. There are. I would have like decision paralysis. Sure. If I were <laughs> you, I'd be like, you could uh, use any of these beads. What do I do? Yeah. Um, I guess now, because of the stores I work with, they're, I'm so close with them. I've worked with them for so many years. Mm-hmm. But going into the store, I have this really insane mental map of the entire store and okay. where the different beads are. And I've been making stuff in the collection for so long that I know all the different beads that are already in the collection. What you've so used. What yeah. I've used before. So if I go into the store, I can look at a section where all the crystals are and know which ones I've used and which ones I've not. I'll go into my favorite um, bead place and talk to them about new stuff. And they're like, I can't believe you recognize we got that in last week. And I'm like, yeah, I know <laughs> that's like, a new bead. I can I tell. I've never seen that. <laughs> um, so just, and that gets you excited. Yeah, like it does. I get so excited. I'm like, oh my God, that's a new color, a new finish. Yes, let's look at this. Let's grab some. Let's take it home. Yeah. Um, and so when I go in, it is important to have some kind of vision. So at least like when I design a new collection, I'll start early springtime, just kind of gathering beads and mm-hmm. stuff to have in the studio so that I have my stuff that I usually use and then I start sourcing all the new stuff and then I sit down with all of it together and start kind of piecing things together. But like if I have a, a bride that I'm doing the shoes for, I have already talked with them about like design elements they want and colors they want so I can go in with that kind of vision. Like Got it. If it's a sneaker and we're doing kind of an art deco style on it, I know to go in looking for beads that are going to have more a of an angular shape, shape yeah. to them and the colors that they want. Either it's all white or it's going to have some crystal or they want pops of color. Uh-huh. So that gives me some kind of like tunnel to be in rather than an open field of like, ah! Literally all the possibilities. Yeah. I literally could never do what you do. It's magical. It's pure magic. Thanks. Um, so I just have a couple of rapid fire questions for you. Okay, I'm ready. In terms of where you think wedding design or trends are going, mm-hmm. um, blushes or colors? Um, both. <laughs> I know I can't say that, but okay. So the new collection, which is out now, it came out December first. Uh-huh. Uh, we I did a lot with blush, um, blush crystal, but also a lot with this this stone that I love that is almost like a a milky moonstone blush. Okay. Um, but then I also did a lot with color. I did I use green crystals or like a Kelly green, and then I have turquoise in the new collection. I okay. also have this light blue and this aqua in this one belt. So. I'm really into pops of color, but then we also can do it in clear if somebody wants that. So um, I'm sorry, but I'm saying You're going to say both. All right, so you I can't guess, say okay, both for the next Okay, question. I guess what I would say is blush is already happening and I'm trying to bring color in. So I okay. guess my final answer would be color, color because I'm trying to like move <laughs> in that direction. That. Yes. All right, bronze or copper? Uh, copper. Okay. Gold or silver? Gold, always. <laughs> I feel like I knew the answer before. Always, yes. <laughs> Are dresses getting poofier or skinnier? I would say skinnier, but that might be like selection bias because that's what I like to look at. Sure. And are people getting more into bling or less into bling? I think more. I think there's been some of... In terms of, I guess, like bling, when you say bling, do you mean only Sparkly crystal? Things. Okay. No, just- 
sparkly just things. Just any sparkle. Um, so then I would say less. I think people are into accessories and beading detail more because I think there's a lot of clean dresses out there that people uh-huh. now want to do fun accessories with, whereas maybe before there were a lot of dresses that had a lot of detail on them, and so they would only choose a headpiece. But now there's this whole like open palette that's opened up. Uh-huh. Um, but I feel with that, the clean idea of that means that the accessories aren't necessarily as sparkly because of the kind of person that's looking at that. Okay. And since you know how to sew and you've worked in a wedding dress store, would you ever have a line of wedding dresses? Nope. Okay. <laughs> that was so quick and easy for you. <laughs> I I worked as, you know, in the beginning in the fashion industry yeah. in women's wear and in the gown industry. And I have friends in it. And I just, I love the detail work. I love that I can work on a belt and finish it right there myself mm-hmm. and put it together. It just makes sense in my head. And the dresses just, it's so much more cumbersome. And a lot of times you do have to work with factories and over and that's just not something I'm interested in. And I know so many talented people who do the dresses. I'm going to leave that to them and I'll work with them and I'll borrow from them Uh and support them. But accessories are my jam. Okay, I love that. Mm -hmm. And if people want to see your stuff or buy your stuff, where can they do that? Um, As many ways as they would like to. (laughs) So we have a website uh, that's fully e-commerce. We also sell through Etsy, which we love. And then we have stores all over the world that sell our pieces, and all of those are listed on our website. Beautiful, which is hushedcommotion.com. Yes, that's correct. And your Instagram? Uh, at hushedcommotion. Perfect. This mm-hmm. has been such a lovely conversation. I agree. I'm so excited to see what the future holds and your beautiful work. Thanks, Jeff. Weddings-ish. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Weddings-ish with Jove. It really means the world to me. I would also love to encourage you to share with your friends the podcast link, share on social media, and of course, feel free to leave us a great five-star review on iTunes. It's super helpful. It takes just a moment. Tell us what you're loving, why you love it. And again, if you have any wedding planning questions, we'd love to hear them. Podcast at jovemeyerevents.com. Again, it's podcast at jovemeyerevents.com events.com. Send any and all questions. We love to answer them. No questions off limits. The music in this podcast was recorded by Mel Flannery of Mixtape Cover Band. If you're looking for a wedding band that will get you rocking and dancing and all over the dance floor, you should definitely check out Mixtape Cover Band. Weddings-ish. Weddings-ish.